0: Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to All Things Therapy.
1: Welcome to All Things Therapy. I am Lisa Ty here, your host. Today's a special show for me because most of you know that I'm a professional licensed clinical social worker and Reiki practitioner. I'm also a professional glass artist. And for the last 20 years, I've worked on private commissions for uh, clients like the Hilton and Harris Hotel groups. I've done residential glass. I've done restaurants. And I've taught around the world in Japan, New York, uh, North Carolina, Pilchuck Glass School, and assisted Gene Koss as well around the world. He's an internationally known sculptor. So today I am taking off my therapy hat and putting on my artist hat because I have a really special guest in the studio with me, who I'm going to introduce in just a moment. You know, as part of being an artist, it's kind of my therapy. Um, what I do to take care of myself and and just separate from the intensity of of everything I hear and and what I do for a living and it just brings me a lot of personal pleasure and as part of what I want to leave the world in in my legacy is uh I used to work with people with disabilities in wheelchairs and find them various job job modifications after they were injured. And so I founded as well a nonprofit that teaches people in wheelchairs to blow and cast glass. And I recently patented the device that will allow them to be able to blow and cast glass from a modified workbench. So my guest today just brought all this up for me to want to talk about as, as I feature her. I am sitting with Max Bruni and Max is gonna open some wine for us. Thank you. While I'm introducing her, she is both an interior designer and a studio artist, which is unique because she bridges the gap between the design world and the studio art world. She, What I really love about her work is her combination of materials utilizing, for instance, antique doors that she restores and then combines with welded steel that she welds herself along with glass and and makes coffee tables. These unique fireplaces that are freestanding, uh, tables, and, and various projects, both publicly and privately. So she is founder as well of the Los Angeles Design Industry Association. The abbreviation is LADY, L A D I dot org. And so I'd like to welcome Max Bruni of Max Bruni Interiors.
2: Hi, Lisa. Hey, thank you for being here today. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Cheers. And an opportunity for daytime drinking.
1: (laughs) It's always fun, especially being from New Orleans to daytime drink.
2: Yes, I agree. Well, being European, it's the same thing.
1: I know. So you were born in France. Yep. Correct? Yes. Raised in Spain? Spain
2: Spain and Miami. I spent uh, equal parts, a little bit more in Miami than in Spain. Uh, My parents are European, and we went back and forth. That's having really a home cool. there and a home in Miami.
1: Yeah. So I know later in the show, we're going to talk about what brought you to the arts, design and studio art making in particular. But first, I wondered if you could talk to us about um, being an interior designer and an artist slash fabricator. What what kind of gaps or disconnection did you see, if that's even accurate, and, and fill that? How did you want to fill that?
2: Um, well, the... How I mix being a designer and a fabricator is that well, I majored in industrial design, so I've always liked to build things and, and see how they fit together. And
1: Can you tell us what that is? Industrial design. Yeah, it's
2: just it's how things work basically. Like if you want to do a patent, you need to industrial sorry, an industrial designer yeah. to you know show you how to put it together. It's basically anything that you want to make from a Rubik's cube to a coffee pot. Oh, very cool. You're going to need an industrial designer. Um, how it's helped me um, being in both and doing that as a major is that. I found that it's helped me design much better, especially in the part of me building things, not so much in the interior design. And in the interior design part, it's helped me uh, put my point across to people that have a little bit more linear thinking, like architects and designers that seem to think very inside the box, and it's better, they find it very hard to communicate with creative people. Okay. This way, I'm kinda like 50-50, right? Brain, yeah,
1: brain. totally. Yeah. I think that's great. Can you tell us about LADY, the Los Angeles Design Industry Association, and how you founded that, what its mission is, what questions does it answer, and any way you want to take that question?
2: Yeah. Well, it started in 2013. <coughs> okay. It was never intended to be a big, you know, organization or association. Yeah. We started a very, like, a handful of architects and designers. Uh, we got together to brainstorm, share ideas, even use ourselves as resources learn, connect, and it's morphed into 100 members, uh, which doesn't seem like a lot, but we are all, their background is checked, so they're either working or they are incredibly active in the design, art, or creative art community.
1: Okay, cool. Are are most of your members in the Los Angeles area, or is it international?
2: It's mostly in Los Angeles. That's why it's uh, Los Angeles Design Industry, but we've taken members from everywhere you know, as long as it's strictly people that are creative or are working in that, that, uh, that so that we can, you know, be a resource to each other and learn from each other.
1: I think that's cool. So, so what I'm thinking, like being an, uh, you being a designer and an artist. So if somebody in your group knows of a project and needs someone, it, it sounds like it's a way to get them to someone to fill that need. You know to well,
2: well. This is why I initially opened it. That we all, as professionals, um, because even though we're artists, the majority of us to make rent, we actually work, have a different job. As sure.
1: Yeah. Same here.
2: Yeah. All of us. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I have a great association. You know, we I pay thousands a year in associations, but the associations are very niche associations. So the architects will have their architect association, and anything that comes out of that association usually is directly related to architecture only, interior design only, um, uh, the creative, I mean, um, graphic arts only. There's really nothing that brings them all yeah. together in an association, and I as a designer, uh, when I work, I need a minimum of an architect. I need to usually buy art, so I need artists. I need a photographer by the end of, and that's sure. only on a residential product. So if I have to do commercial or I have to do retail, I'm gonna to have to have a lead for a graphic designer and anything else that my client may need because I, ideally, what's gonna make you um, uh, successful is being an all-in-one package and not having to outsource everything and at least being, absolutely having peers that you can count on that you know you know that are professional and that's what we're trying to establish there.
1: So what what are you working on now? Can you tell us some of the things that you're that you're working on?
2: I'm working on a lot of things. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, I'm working on a lot of things, but can can I go back and tell you about the lady part? So one of the things that was most important to me, uh, and I'm sorry I have to touch back on this, but it's just no. I want I want to hear all. Yeah, yeah, because I I did find a huge disconnect when I started, and it's that the creative arts is really one world. We're all under the same umbrella, and we're not working together. So, uh, and by that I don't mean the extremes, like an architect with a with the performance arts. But the performance arts, but in general, I know many, many, many architects that want to take a graphic art class, that want to be offered events that they can go to that has nothing to do with architecture, which is what we do. We have a ton of art events. Um, uh, there's um, schools and organizations that will show graphic arts. You know, little things that people want to dip their toes in, even though that's not their niche. And that's what okay. this is about. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I me, see that. I am more than happy. The next time you ever have a, a, a glass blowing class, I mean, I'm not a glass blower, but I'm just waiting for you to do one of your one or two, yeah. three times a year. And yeah, I'm going to be part of that. You can't find that in associations that only offer things for their niche. They cater really to kind of their boring. own population.
1: Yeah, but it's really kind of boring. I mean, uh, yeah,
2: uh, creatives. Um, honestly, we bask and we our creativity is our inspiration is through other creatives and seeing other things.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't sit I at a
2: draft table for uh, 365 days and, and be creative. I need to go out in the world, and I need other people to inspire me. That's just how I function.
1: Yes, so I don't know what direction you want to go in next, but as I hear you talking about this, I, I like at some point I I want to hear about what inspires you. How do you find inspiration, or should we stick more to um, like? more specific different aspects in designing for large projects versus residential
2: okay uh well i find inspiration
1: on everything (laughs) i um
2: you know i think i i I posted this somewhere on my website is that i am inspired by the oddest things that you can imagine like Uh, what um a beautiful dress in maybe the Met Gala could inspire the likes of a table, mm. a pattern on a skirt can make me want to go out and check out different types of wallpaper. It's just, it, it never, I never, get expire, I never get inspired by an element that has anything to do with what I'm about to design. It's okay. just, my mind doesn't work that way, you know, IGC shapes and yeah. and forms and from there all of a sudden I'll get an interior, I mean an entire design based on this one shadow that i've seen or a silhouette and that will just everything else was created around it an entire room i don't know how i function that way maybe it's just a little bit of madness
1: i love that so when when because i imagine this could happen at any time um you know that you're out and about or looking online (laughs) because when i've heard interviews with you you talk about that like a a painting inspiring something else you know, like, like you just said. So do you sketch, like how do you kind of hold on to those moments to then channel it into something that you might be working on or want to work on?
2: Well, a lot of times if I don't write them down, I'll forget, and that's yeah. the saddest part because I really will try to remember the next day. Um, but usually I'm a person that when something gets in my head, I get a bit fixated. Mm-hmm. So I will jot it down, write it down, and then it'll just morph into something completely different.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think that's cool.
2: Mine's a crazy thing.
1: It is. It is. So where do you want to go next? Because I feel like I'm, I'm I'm I don't know jumping what, in what, to
2: what do you want to know?
1: About about what well, we were talking about, Lady, the Los Angeles Design Industry Association and the mission.
2: Yeah.
1: Do you want to talk more about that?
2: Sure. Um the well the mission is to cultivate and unite in the creative arts I mean that's just what it is and okay. anything referring and related to that and it's uh, bringing people together I never thought that I would have people of fashion in my association and I do in fact later I'll give a shout out to somebody who's supposed to be the member of the month and she had a terrible tragedy Maybe oh, no. I'll, I'll mention her later Sure she was um, yeah but no I think you were asking me what the projects I was working on yes and uh, I'm have three.
1: Okay, yes, please tell us.
2: I'm working on a line of designer um, cowhide rugs, which are beautiful, that I'm oh having my gosh. made abroad. Um, they're going to have patterns like nothing that you've seen before. You know, we're usually you just see the cow sprawl Yeah, out. that's it. Yeah. No, newer things are coming out, and that's what's inspired me, seeing other people's things. It's not something... I'm not reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen some things coming out that are really, really interesting, and I've decided to dip my toes in there and we're doing unbelievable patterns in cowhide luxury just beautiful high quality um uh rugs
1: sounds beautiful
2: uh we're also i'm also doing a line of accessories uh just home accessories simple stuff um things that i'm going to design in metal but also pillows uh, leather really nice and then the big project that i'm working on now is in colombia okay in bogota Mm -hmm. which i'm really excited about
1: yes can you tell us what you're doing there
2: Yes, it is a big company called BD Promotores. Uh, The building is called Bacata, and it is the largest skyscraper that in Bogotá, and I think the second biggest in South America.
1: That's Uh, amazing. It's
2: amazing, and I'd love to say I'm part of the whole project, but I'm not. Right. (laughs) Uh, I just have a couple. I just have a little project. They're bachelor pads, and uh, even though the building is going to be apartments, uh, one, two bedrooms, I think up to three bedrooms. A hotel, three restaurants in the two towers of different floors um, with renowned chefs. Just a really, really, really beautiful, beautiful project from incredible people who have had incredible success doing hotels all over the world. They're, yeah. not, they're not small. They have eight, six or seven hotels, as it is, or companies. They're having one open in Cartagena, which is amazing, okay. called BD Cartagena, which is a ginormous beach club. Um. And that's really exciting. It's uh, it's just it's kind of like marking a little bit, you know, the before and after in Bogota because it will be in the center of the city, and they're basically redoing the city like you would imagine downtown was here five six years ago. That's so where amazing, Max. To go. Yeah, so it's really interesting.
1: What kind of challenges are presented on a what's different working on on that kind of project versus a residential project?
2: I don't find so much challenging in the difference between uh, that one because, again, I'm doing residence in there. Of course, right. right. But the challenges of working long distance, uh, time restraints, time differences, uh, not being able to do your walkthrough. I'm very meticulous when it comes to going to see my sites every single day and making sure everything goes okay. And when you're in a career where one centimeter or one inch can knock off an entire project – yeah you know it's huge to not be able to do that walkthrough and be able to catch the errors on time seriously but i have uh i'm working with the most amazing architects they're an architectural firm from barcelona uh that are called balaguer and associates Mm -hmm. they are again renowned uh from spain and they it really makes it easy to work with people that level
1: I'm thinking how serious it is, what you're saying. The walkthroughs you like to do, designing your spaces, and the geographic distance, you just can't...
2: Speaking to your workers. There's a yeah. Big, yeah,
1: all of that. When I did the Hilton Hotel in Baton Rouge, it's about an hour and a half, two hours from New Orleans... And um, and that's a short enough distance I could drive it. But when I got the commission, cur- Hurricane Katrina happened. So I was in Baton Rouge. And so I could go to the job site often. I kind of had nothing else to do. But then when my zip code opened up and I made the project, it took a year to assemble borosilicate, like 4,000 pieces of borosilicate with copper. And um, I'd go maybe every month. And I went from one month to the next month. They had put a wall where there was no wall so I relate to what you're saying and I had to totally redo everything I'm cursing out the interior designer who wanted to work with me again it's a miracle but I'm like this was not on the blueprint you know so I can't imagine for you with the distance but it sounds like you have a great team that I you know has has that ever happened (laughs)
2: like uh the cursing at each other part yes many times especially as a creative yes linear thinkers have cursed me out a lot okay um so I'm sorry that happened about Katrina. But you know Thank what? You, it's yeah. all these trying all these little Oh, it made things. me stronger. So Oh, and 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 definitely you usually if you're smart, you don't trip over the same stone twice. Yes. So it's great to have done this because it just makes every job that comes after, you know, more perfect.
1: Yes. So, um <clears throat> what do you want to talk about next?
2: I don't know. What do you want to ask me? <laughs>
1: Okay. Well, I have, I have so many different thoughts going on, so I'm okay. not sure the order Tell me. of things. Um, what, have, what have been some of your favorite endeavors as both interior designer and <laughs> artist?
2: Uh, endeavors. So, projects. Yeah, projects that, yeah, I think that one of the ones that was most humbling and proud was when I first graduated as a designer in the beginning of, the, of 2000, 2002 it was that I really expected to start doing small residents, and to little by little grow. And I was hit with this major commercial project. Okay. That ended up being the number one nightclub on the island. And I was, I, it was like excitement, but I was so filled with fear. Like, mm-hmm. what am I going to do wrong? You know sure. what I mean? It's, there's code. There's regulations. There's, you know, you're you're I'm in a foreign country. There's architects yelling at me cursing me out saying you're effing crazy you know you can't do that when I could yes I'd actually could because I do have that you know that capability of 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 uh, staying inside what's um uh, hard regulations okay and also create a creating a really outstanding design which is really important to me so I found that very humbling that five years after my first project which was the one of the hardest projects that I ever did and I was still so new that it had no isms or hiccups and the owners were still incredibly happy with the design and it ended up being the one of the biggest projects so to this day I've had uh, people tell me that it did mark a before and after uh in the design and that there hasn't been really anything like it which congratulations for me was, yeah I haven't gone back I know it's
1: where it's, is it exactly
2: uh, it's in Mallorca, right on uh, Ocean Drive, in one of the best areas of Mallorca. It's 113. And nothing it was just really successful. And, and five years down the line, there wasn't, you know, any problems with the, you know, installations or, or anything went wrong or the design. There wasn't, you know, nobody had sued for anything. Yeah. Nobody, nobody called me up screaming.
1: So I bet that helped with your confidence as a designer.
2: It did. Well, yeah. As a designer, yeah. And then... On the artist side, mm-hmm. I think it was when I went into the world of welding. When I went into the world of welding and yeah. carpentry industries, it's still such a male-dominant world. It is. And they make it so hard. So women are not very invited mm-hmm. uh, into that into that realm. So especially if you're starting to either uh, be more creative in them or do better or come out with better designs... And you have to know this so much because your studio, that's what it is. Glasses,
1: male-dominated well, mm, as well, traditionally.
2: Right. But they where you are in Louisiana, I mean, they've taken you in.
1: Definitely. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yes. It's, in Los Angeles, it's very different. Sure. So when I learned here, I found it very hard to connect um, uh, to staying in that world and, and found myself just gravitating towards other women that weld instead. Okay. And to this day, I, I maintain more all those contacts that are women. And very few of the people who even taught me, who I try, tried to have relationships with for, for a while, but it's again, it's very male dominant.
1: Sure, yeah. that's so cool. What a beautiful I still project. Love carpentry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what projects would you like to do that you haven't done yet? Oh,
2: that's a really good question. I would love to do a hotel back to front, like from the mm. project all the way to turnkey. Okay. I would love that. With so rooms and and uh, all the public areas, swimming pool, restaurant, staff facilities. I would love to do everything. And you know, it wouldn't. Wow. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be bad if it was like a small luxury hotel with a ginormous budget. That would be
1: fantastic.
2: Yes. Especially like my dream.
1: Especially the high end finishes and the materials you're working in. Yeah. You know? and if it's
2: little, you have the opportunity like to not do conveyor belt type design. You know, where all the rooms have to be the same. You know, to do a. Yeah. A nice little luxury hotel where you can be creative in all of the rooms, and that that would be a nice project to do.
1: That's amazing. So, okay, this is what I'm really excited to hear about. I'm rubbing my rings together. Is why do you create? Like, why do you create, and and what does it bring I hate to you? That question. <laughs> you do.
2: Well, I just can't answer it.
1: Okay, you know well, that in the legacy. How, how would you change the question? What would be a
2: well? No, the thing is that how do you create? I mean, no, it's... why? Why? No, or why? Or white. Okay. okay. So why is your hair brown?
1: I was born with brown hair. That's what it is. So it's like Ah,
2: for me, me, I don't feel like I'm creating. That's like people say they're a good mother, they're bad mothers. There's some people that don't have, there's no effort into being a mother. Mm -hmm. It's natural. So for me, it's not something I do on purpose. It's something that happens like going gray. It's just like I just look at something and all of these possibilities flow.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: does that make sense it does
1: make sense because for me I feel like I have I have to create to feel alive and and I came to the arts in my how old was I I was uh maybe 23 24 yeah. years old I didn't know I had a creative bone in my body to be an artist until so I went to Tulane I got accepted in the master's program and since I was wait, at
2: wait what made you go there if you didn't feel like you had a creative because bone your body? because
1: my master's was in social work and since I was at Tulane, I got admitted to the Masters of Social Work program. I never knew I'd go to Tulane. So I remember flipping through the catalog, thinking I want to take an elective arts class. I've never done that in my life. And I saw glass blowing. And I didn't even know what the hell that was. And I called to get in the class. It was full. And at the time, I was in fine dining, waiting tables, and bartending. I
2: did that, too. I know you did. I know. We both (laughs) did
1: that, definitely. Uh And that night, one of my call parties was a, a married couple that had galleries in New York and New Orleans. And I mentioned, I'm trying to get in this glass class. And they said, well, that's our friend, Jean Koss, uh, why don't you give wow. him a call and say that, you know, you take care of us at the restaurant? And I did. And it turns out his art dealer, Arthur Roger, in New York and New Orleans. I worked out with Arthur at the same gym. Arthur told me the same thing. So Gene, it was a, an odd interview because I remember he asked me, like, what do you do? And I said, I don't do anything. And he, it, but I'll be a good student He's like well how are you going to be a good student And I said I don't know I'll just learn And he felt like he had to take me in right. and on Even though there was a waiting list of 30 And it was literally love at first sight The torches, the fire, I learned to weld It was like something came alive in me That I didn't know was there right. And like now I can't even It's hard not to make art You know like after like a month or two go by I feel like the itch to like just make anything With my hands So I wonder for you it was more you were born this way
2: Oh, it's kind of like putting a cork on the bottle it's it's just yeah you f- you function differently yeah yeah as an artist yeah yeah you function different i was at an amazing dinner last night and we were just thinking about you know the uh, if i had to, if i wasn't an artist in some way and i wasn't i had to clock in to a cubicle from 9 to 5 for oh. the rest of my life i swear i would have torn out all my hair by now <laughs>
1: Yes, you'd or be. Or killed bold. myself. Yeah, I be. Bold. Or someone else. Yeah,
2: or so uh maybe. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> yeah, it, it wouldn't suit you. No. And the way that you're hardwired.
2: No. Not at all in every way.
1: So I'd like to know you mentioned earlier about your inspiration and finding it in in various um and various materials in in various, um, just as you're, like, it might might be in a piece of clothing that inspires the leg of a of a table or a chair.
2: Yeah, I find it in anything. I mean, our conversation today might, you know, I'm looking at the, the glass piece that you're wearing right yeah. now around your neck. And, uh, and, yeah, like, you find little inspirations in everything. You find little inspirations in everything, and I think you know that. And, again, that's what the Lady Association does. It's to be able to sit down with people like you, you know, and uh, talk and get to know each other and be inspired.
1: So, so tell me this, because since I'm sitting with another artist, which is I don't always have the opportunity, especially in this forum and setting, like a, I call it a dry spell, where I don't know what I'm going to make or, or whatever. How do you handle? Does that happen to you? Does it ever elude you? You know, your muse, or is it something you're always in touch with? And and it, how do you handle if inspiration escapes you?
2: I would love to give you like this amazing, like creative wow factor (laughs) response for that. But the truth is, is that when I have not been inspired, I get inspired very quickly. Okay. Because I do see, we were talking about seeing things and I don't know if you've, you've, we've emailed before, Mm -hmm. you know, the signature on my email for the past 10 years are, it's not what you look at that matters. It's what you see. I can spend five minutes on Pinterest and find inspiration of something that isn't on there at all. But I can find inspiration in a conversation that we're having today. and Or just uh, looking through magazines or going shopping. Interior designers, the majority of the inspiration that we find is looking through magazine. And that doesn't mean at all that you are mimicking or copying anybody's design. Not at all. In fact, the majority of the time, I know we're a little bit critical of other people's stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, But, you know, inspiration for me is not hard to find. Uh, I, I love that. So there's. it sounds like... Well, I know, I know your work personally. I've, I've seen your tables, your, your various pieces, um, and you're not always working in the studio. Uh, do, you, do you document in between? Because I know right now you're doing Bogota and your, your accessories and such, so I'm thinking that's taking time from you out of the studio. I'm not in the studio anymore. I mean, I'm, okay. I, I'm a little bit
2: in the studio, but it's more for small prototypes. Uh, it's just becoming... It takes up so much time to make things myself, that it's just becoming easier uh, and more cost effective to outsource and to spend more time doing my designs and the thing that actually has an income so that I can continue to have
1: things like the studio and be able to do uh, my own pieces. That makes sense. I, when we met almost a year ago, I remember I think you had just made that transition from from you know making things yourself to outsourcing, which I think is amazing to be able to do as an artist to, to kind of reach that place. So right. I think that's really cool. It is. Everything we do is cool. <laughs> do do you miss though, kind of the hands-on aspect? I
2: I do I do. Uh, I like getting dirty and I like yeah. you know being in jeans and not being able to, and not having to you know wake up in the morning and have to be on point and you know in front of people. I really really love doing things on my own and you know I can build a table without assistance and I just love that alone time because I'm in my head a lot. Yeah, and it's my peaceful place. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm more at peace when I'm alone. I know some people panic when they're by themselves. Sure. Okay, I love doing things on my own. And it's and, and different from the interior design part, it's one of the few times where you can do what you want because interior design is one of the few uh, careers. Well, no, actually there's a lot, but it's, you, you are literally being babysat by a client all the time and there's very little room for you to do what you want and have carte blanche to do what you want so these are my designs my creations I do it my way
1: yeah Yeah. I think that's great yeah and 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 like luxury is the word that comes to mind that you can have that freedom and autonomy yeah to do that agreed well I know that you you have the opportunity for studio time when um you know when you come to New Orleans and at Tulane Jean Cost is (laughs) on sabbatical next semester in the Fall, but he said that you're welcome to to come and do some glass with me. And the the professor standing in is a female welder from Canada uh-huh. who's amazing. So I think you would hit it off with Megan. And oh, so I'm okay. excited for you to come to New Orleans and us to to make some things together. Does Megan
2: live in L. A. Or, or Megan
1: is in New Orleans? Oh, okay. she's she from Canada. Oh, yeah,
2: okay. Because I know a Megan uh, welder
1: that's that's here. Oh, partner. that's cool. Yeah. Oh, well, that's great. I would love to. It'll meet be so her. fun. So I can teach you some glass. Play through the
2: glass. Okay, that's and, what I want. And
1: yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna help you with some glass, and we're gonna incorporate some metal because I need some. I can only arc weld, which I know is back in the stone era, as opposed no, to MIG and TIG. No.
2: Oh, absolutely not. If you, oh, you're good. doing art, you're doing sculptures. And, yeah, I do and, and, art and artistry. That's the. You're not gonna use MIG welding to do sculptures. Okay. So it just depends on what type of welding you're do. Arc welding and um, uh, oxyacetylene.
1: Oxyacetylene. I um,
2: already had too much wine because we don't drink at ten thirty. Oxyacetylene are fantastic for you to do um, to do sculptures. Absolutely not. I think it's fantastic. I don't do arc. I'd like to. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've we done have make welding. Yeah. TIG welding, and a little bit of oxy, um,
1: but mostly I do make. We have all of those at two lengths. so you can yeah. you can have your. Choice wow. when you come down. Right. I'm, I'm more interested in the glass. <laughs> you got it, glass. That okay. that's good for me. That's, that's easy for me. I, I can't wait to get back but to wait, you. Too. And
2: I want to ask you mm. because you always talk about glass blowing, but you're a glass caster,
1: not blower. I, I blow glass for. I've done some some vases. I've done some uh, blown glass sculpture. Um, wow. But but my like Forte, is in glass casting, utilizing sand molds, both resin-bonded sand and soft sand, as well as welding steel molds that I cast Mm -hmm. into on a graphite table. So, so yeah, I do – I'm more well-versed in casting. Then there's also kiln casting, like the glass switch plates for y'all, you know, for listeners at your house. So this is kind of our next – Thing that we're going to le- go into. I'm going to ask Max this question and kind of dovetail. I'm wondering how you balance function and form. So often things that serve as pure function okay. um, lack in form. Like, for instance, for me, a light switch plate. You know, they're plastic, they're metal, and, and that's great. I've always liked the metal ones, but I, I came up with a way of kiln casting glass light switch Plates. Wow, covers. I want those for my new loft. Well, they're your housewarming present. I want <laughs> them. Yeah, loft. when you come down, and, and because the ones that I have are awful. You know, my loft is industrial. Yeah, they'd so, be perfect. So they're just like I. They're just yeah. I I, I would love those. So I want to know from you. How do you balance function and form?
2: That's actually like. You know, I don't toot my own horn ever. This is I actually, know you're very this modest. Is, this, so is, I wanna... this is my forte. No, yeah. I just don't think that I'm like, you know, a Little you know they say jack of all trades, master of none.
1: Right. Um, I relate as a Gemini. Huh? Oh,
2: <laughs> that's not true. You guys master a lot. You know that 85% of the people in my life are Gemini, so I know, I know that. you well.
1: And I have many Scorpios in my life. Yeah. Um. Poor you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, for
2: me... The first, like, objective, I guess, would be what's going to be the main function? Because when you ask that question, you have to find out whether what you're going to design first has to serve as a function. Then you have to, after you do the function, after you have that clear, then you can try to see
1: how much you can be creative in the design and vice versa. Yeah, that's why I'm curious about this balance, especially you doing hotels and residences. Like, it's such an important piece. Oh, and, and again... It depends on what is most important to the client. Do
2: you want the function first, or do you want the form you're first? You're right, your client, So course, first you start with which one? Like, you're hiring me, yeah. and you need uh, X. But first you need it to be functional, like a staircase. But later, do you want me to make a designer? You're not going to have me make a design first for a staircase that is not functional and worry about that last. Of course. So that's the way it is. And to be a good designer, you have to know how to do both of them seamlessly, But above all, you also have to think about, you know, function, believe it or not, is very subjective, Uh, you know, and it's in the eye of the beholder because maybe one of my clients finds that um, a sculpture functions in the way that it makes him very happy. Mm. So... It really does depend, you know, for you, a sculpture in your bedroom, you just have a bed and you have a sculpture and you're just like, Oh, nothing functions here. If you're going to bed happy every single exactly. day, yes. then that sculpture has a function.
1: Does yeah. that make sense? It does make sense. Or is sense. that crazy? No, it makes sense. And I I <laughs> think I have
2: some crazy answers, I know that. No,
1: it's good. I think I think this is great. But I think you to toot your horn that you bring expertise in both areas, like the industrial design, you know, back from school, plus interior design. And, and then also being a studio artist. So you can really, I think, grasp what your client wants and then make that. And then, like I know you said, your dream project would be a turnkey hotel. So that's kind of where I, I started wondering about balancing form over function, because I know your hotel would be beautiful and how you would have to have certain things to spec, you know, but then make them beautiful, too. Well, I would love to be able to design things that look like they don't have a function
2: at all. Ooh, and how an incredible! More about that? What do you mean? What do you mean? You no, know, because it just came to me. That's awesome. So, but you know, like uh, something that you just don't know. I, I kind of like. Uh, I don't know if you ever see this, and I'm going to go completely off Please, any conversation go. right now. But I'm absolutely fascinated by this show called Tiny Houses Big Living. What is that? It's this amazing show about homes that are under 350 square feet. And I, why I find it so fascinating is that, you know, something little from a bookshelf is actually a staircase. And just all these little things, like I love how many hidden functions there are in... That's um, cool. ...in things that look like they're a design. You know what I mean? Yes. I don't know why I just have to say that, but I have to throw it in there because... It totally because applies. I would love to do that. I would love to have an entire house where you came in. It looked like a museum, but it functions like a nursery, like everything works or, fu- or has a function. Does that mean? Does yeah, that I think like
1: good? Sherlock Holmes and like a bookshelf exactly. turns and you go into some secret 007's
2: Austin 007's Mar- yeah. Aston Martin. That's what yes. yes. That's so you too. Yeah. I love what? that. The everything works? The
1: 007. Like the toy like you love. I don't have the Aston Martin yet. Right. to have one. Right.
2: Maybe one day I'll get a Volkswagen with all those
1: features. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no Not a Volkswagen. I'm kidding. It has to be something a little sexier than that. Um, I'm joking. So yeah. So in talking about talking about this function and form, because having been schooled at Tulane, uh, you know, a bit, I took I took classes for two years, and then about the last eighteen has been just kind of freelance, being mentored by Gene Koss, and, and his big thing is he does purely form. There is no function to his three to eight ton pieces that we make. You know, it's pure form, just pure like it. and But it does have a function.
2: Everybody that buys those pieces, it functions for them.
1: For their happiness, right? Is that
2: is that what you mean? Uh, fulfillment. And, and 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 a whole, and a slew yeah. of different things that we can, you know, that we can... Uh,
1: I agree. Yeah. I agree. It so, functions
2: in making a section of the house more beautiful. That is the function. Just like an art piece. That has a function. Yeah. Like so, a, a
1: campus. It is. Yeah. I'm looking at you smiling like this shit-eating grin because I'm thinking... Was that
2: the wine? Or the, it, by the way, the wine's really good. Thank,
1: thank you. you know, I'm glad like, you like it. Yeah. And just so y'all know, y'all, Max has had so many lives. She's a sommelier... She went to Cordon Bleu cooking school, a chef. You were a race car driver. You've done so for many things. For three years, yeah. Yeah. So, so, Don't out me on everything now.
2: <laughs> it's going to make me inconsistent. I'm, I'm going to stop there.
1: <laughs> well, that was, that was like all, you know, uh, so that's what I'm bringing it up because how has that fueled even, and this is not something we discussed talking about, but since we're kind of going off the cuff, like um, how have those past – things that you've done skills that you have informed even your art and design or do they they say
2: that eventually it all comes back and does in some form uh uh, play a part in what you're ultimately supposed to do in the world I think it has maybe not driving (laughs) not yet you know (laughs) yeah um but uh I am a person and I think this brings me back to being an artist I, I I've always fought against feeling that I'm inconsistent. My mother also instilled that in me because I've always wanted to do new things, new things. I'm just not a corporate person that wants to do the same thing for the rest of my life. I think... I even think that to make a decision on what you're supposed to do for the rest of your life at 18 years old is the wrong thing. And i I that's a whole different conversation. Our whole school
1: system. Yeah, I totally agree, Even
2: at 30, I mean, 85% of people today are doing jobs that they hate. And that is a terrible thing. For me... It's so sad. For me, I have new interests. I want to learn. They are usually always somehow in the arts. You know, I've never you know, dreamt of being a lawyer or, or anything like that. Yeah. Or anything that's going to keep me in the same state for the rest of my life. But right. I've always want, I want to learn. I am almost, I'm like a sponge. I'm desperate to learn new things. I can turn around tomorrow. I might go to your studio glass blowing. And I say, I may not want to do it for the rest of my life for a career, but I'm also not closed off to it because once it piques my interest, it's something that I want to learn. I want every seven years to have a new and i like, have a new career, but I want to learn a new trade. I don't mind going to school. I've already gone to school three, four times and graduated. Yeah. I'm like Definitely. I have more student loan than you could possibly sure. you know, imagine. But uh, I don't want to stop, you know. Yeah. And a lot of people look at you like, oh, you know, she's inconsistent. I mean the interior design is always there, but I want to learn new things. I would, you know, if I was a multi billionaire, I would go to Florence to study art for one year and then I would go to, you know, Paris to study, you know, something else. And then I would just do everything that I wanted to do and learn everything that I want to learn. I don't, I don't want to stay where I am right now. I don't want to, I love what I do, but it's definitely not the last, uh, stop on my train.
1: To me, I I hear that you don't stay stagnant and you love growing and changing and incorporating everything that, you know, comes through you into you and expanding on that and building from it.
2: Well, I believe in that old, uh, that old saying of where a door closes, one opens, or that every opportunity that comes to you is for a reason the universe is bringing you something. Yeah. And though you can't say yes to everything, um, a lot of times we get a lot of signs in the same direction to try something new, and I like to walk through that door. Like, I want to know why I'm curious about that certain something, There's and, and I like to try it.
1: For our listeners, there's an interview, if you go to YouTube and put in Max Bruni, there's a really great interview where, where you are showing, you know, putting together, welding, woodworking, one of your tables, and you talk about that, that you love to, as I do, sit down at a table, you know, to come together for a meal to come together for a meal, for some wine, and you talk about doors. You, you work particularly and enjoy working with reclaimed wood doors and how that is a portal, like you were just saying. Like when you pass through a door something right, new right. happens. So I'm just reminded of that interview as you're talking.
2: Yeah, I think that interview is um, – well, thank God they edited it because it brought up more questions than anything else. What do you mean? Um, well <laughs> – So I've lived in, um, I grew up in several countries in Europe, you know, and i lived in in Europe a really long time. Yeah. Um, I spent a decade in South America as well as living in the major cities of the United States, all long term. So I've walked through a lot of doors. And and I've also been taught that in life, you know, there at any point in time, you are going to have life altering moments, good and bad. And uh, you have to pay attention. And so if you're a type of person that really pays attention to detail, there's a lot to learn. So believe it or not, through those life experiences, (laughs) sorry, Max is, you know, Lisa has got this tendency to look at your forehead a lot. And I just, I feel like there's something up there.
1: So for my listeners and any clients that know this, I I channel information. And so I often look at someone's forehead when I'm kind of like getting a download of what's next. So it, it brings... Max a lot of humor it does <laughs> I think it's
2: humor. and it's a wonderful thing to do also I mean it is I
1: know, appreciate not be fixated I know you're not make criticizing it, it is or funny or anything like that it's good that clients like, ask me as well what are you looking at and what are you thinking right oh no as long as I know that there's nothing up there there's nothing on your head okay. you're good please continue
2: um, I, I, I've learned to pay attention to detail and all of those experiences you know have formed me and also the you know unique uh, style that I have of design that's really different
1: yeah. And so, so what I'm thinking to ask you, because of what you're saying, as far as what are the most sensual materials to you? I love that word, sensual. I, I like that word, too, yeah. especially with art making, because we tend not to think of art, I think, in those terms. It's sensual. It's, it's tactile. It's sexy. Yeah.
2: I like sensual more than sexy. Me, too. I, Me, yeah, too. Yeah, but, yeah, you get it. It's, uh, so what do I find sexual? Well I use yeah. a lot of, of um reclaimed wood. Yeah. I love that. I love anything that's really old and has a history, which is why I work so much with the um uh doors from mm-hmm. Java Bali India.
1: I wonder um, where the doors come from. Java okay. yeah. Java
2: oh. Bali India. I have a purveyor. He has one of these and I'm so bad that and I can't even mention him. Uh he's got one of the biggest Indian restaurants where you sit on the floor. In, Here, Santa, Barbara. in L- Santa Barbara. Oh, yeah. Santa Barbara. So yeah. he's, um, he's supplied, you know, my doors, and he's an excellent, excellent human being. Um, but I find materials like wood. I like old. I like to reclaim them. They have a history. Um, they're beautiful. The wood, the workmanship, you will never find Craftsmanship like you did a hundred years ago. Now nobody has the patience. They don't have the time. They don't have the money. Everything is just not made to last.
1: I think of that so often. Looking at the doors that you've used in your work and the detail, just how did a carpenter or or you know do that? It's amazing
2: by hand.
1: Yeah, etching. There's no
2: machine now. You could practically do anything in laser. And then as much as um, vegans are going to hate me right now.
1: It's okay. I love my leather. You were vegan, and you vegan often? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I do. I do. I do. And uh, I love leather. And by that, I don't mean couches. Yeah. You know, um, like embossed leather of, like an eel embossed print on leather for, uh, which I would like to do. I think my next project that I've presented is a a gentleman's, or I'm not going to say gentleman's, because I like a masculine office myself for me. Sure. Is um, leather eel walls. You know, that are embossed in a
1: That's blowing my mind leather, even imagine. In wow. black. It's beautiful. Oh, it sounds stunning.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I wouldn't want to leave that room. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it sounds like amazing.
2: Wow. I love cold rolled steel, especially yeah. for if you want to mix industrial. And yes. like my style is taking um, uh, old and rustic and industrial and then converting it into completely contemporary. Because it's what gives it that warmth. So I like that too. Um, yeah.
1: So we're coming towards the end of our show. And what I want to know is what do you do differently than other designers? Wow, that's a... It's a big doozy from... It is because,
2: uh, in case you didn't know... <laughs> yeah. Here's a big thing. Yeah. Is that interior designers are the second or third most hated uh, professional. I'm making a in face like, world. "What the fuck? What?" Yeah. It's the okay. mo- after general contractors, and it's understandable because uh, interior designers are a hot mess. It's they're creative. <laughs> it, it is, and I was one of those people. Uh, they have a lot of creativity and very bad business people. We are very bad business people in many aspects, from asking for money for our fees, you know, um, uh, our organizational process. Uh, keeping our clients in the loop. We are very bad at asking for money. And then we're very bad at uh, giving ourselves the respect. Oops, that must be the wine. Giving ourselves um, uh, the merit that we deserve. And we usually end up floundering and losing money the majority of the time. So a long time ago, I met uh, Kimberly Seldon. She okay. is on HDTV Canada and she's like one of the big wigs on very cool yeah very cool and i realized all her points were very valid and that i was making all the mistakes that general that uh interior designers make and that's why real estate agents won't hire them so i'm now working on a 15 step process which is an amazing process that uh and real estate people can like you too because you won't make them look bad when they refer you um but you run your business like a business so uh you're not running yourself to the ground, uh, and your clients always leave happy, which in the design world is very, very hard. There's a lot of arguments.
1: So this process is making you different from other it's designers making you different that because, you, you've employed.
2: Yeah. You eliminate all the misunderstandings with clients. Um, you meet all of your timelines. You are completely transparent, which is unknown, basically, oh, in the design see, world. Yeah. yeah. I do no yeah, skimming. wow. I do no skimming. Wow. Um, I actually split my... I split my commission so that my hourly pay is paid for by the client. They go, they can go to the store, I split it with them. My books are open for audit at any point and my hours are logged when I ask for my fees and they're attached so they can at any point know how much time that I've spent just like any other professional or a lawyer or anything else. And the reason that I give them half of my discount is so my hourly fees are basically uh, half paid for, a minimum, and they don't have to be worrying about. So I am completely transparent. There's nothing hidden. I don't skim. I don't take anything off the books. My receipts are open. And uh, the process, which is handed to them, the 15-step process is handed to my clients, and they can walk through it. They know what comes next. If we didn't finish 12, we're not moving on to 13. Wow. So we finish the project up to the last candle. And... um, it's just you know even even they even know where my workers are and my workers get it posted on their wall the 15 step process really and as soon as you scratch it off
1: yes I'm looking like befuddled because the interior designers I've worked with on projects have not been so transparent We're a hotness, remarkable yeah. yeah
2: well you know what not being transparent only causes a, a lack of trust it
1: does I felt so mistrustful
2: and we have that reputation. With clients, so once we sign my contract, a, a child can read it. I don't go to lawyers to make this big contract. And they get a copy of the 15-step process. I also blow it up, and I put it on the wall so all the workers can see it. And it's very simple. Amazing. It's very simple process. You make it from the beginning to the end. You really can't get fired because you are making your deadlines. You should be getting paid on time, and as long as you're getting paid... The next step goes through, and it's just, it's very, very, very simple, and it's about being in tuned with the business side, which a lot of creatives just are not, we're right. not good. And, and you have saying, both
1: sides of your brain working And here. I'm not saying yeah. we're terrible.
2: No. I'm saying that it, we don't know. Strange. So when we have somebody who does have that business side, it's so hard to sit down, and we make ourselves really small. And um, and then our clients are confused, you know, and, and, and they're right to be confused. So, have I've eliminated this with this process, and I think that that's what makes me, you know, a good interior designer.
1: So, in conclusion, how can people reach you? How can potential clients reach you?
2: Uh, well, I'm at www.maxbruni.com. And if there are artists that we're speaking to, yeah. uh, Lady, L A D I, dot org. In, .org um, you can contact me there. Uh, as well as galleries or anybody else, and I'll be more than happy to speak to them.
1: And this show is on latalkradio.com. It's on my YouTube channel. You can put in Max Bruni, Lisa Tahir, L.A. Talk Radio, whatever little taglines for this show to come up. Why not included? <laughs> Why not included? That's right here. Thank you for being with me today, Max. Oh, such a beautiful for having show. Thank you me. You're such a beautiful person. I love thank being you. here so
2: much. I had so much fun. As high are high you. Five.
1: High five. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll see you in just a minute. I'm going to talk about the guest next week.
2: Perfect. Okay. Thank you for having me.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for being here. That concludes our show for today. Join me next week at the same time. I'm interviewing Carolyn Holmes-Bufkin. She is an astrologer, a psychic medium, and owner of East, East Meets West Bookstore in New Orleans, Louisiana. And she does sessions by phone and in person. And I can't wait to have her on. I hope you all have a great week.
0: You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on LA Top Radio.